Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Blues, it happens every night. And I ain't never met a riverboat dealer that could ever be a friend of mine. I have not. Summer heat never treats me kind, it leaves trouble on my mind. So I'm bidding farewell, putting in my nose, and I'll see you out another time. Here we go. This highway does not know my name, and I don't care. No. I don't curl Heading my way For another place And I got Three good tires And a spare To the daggum hook right here Just a white line gypsy Getting out of Mississippi With just enough gas to get there Low Budget Live, not so freaking live, right here coming to you for Monday, Monday, June 29th, and this will be a little late because I'm recording this early Monday morning, normally record them on Sundays, but uh, we just got back from that old beach, low lifers, fishing trip, not really the beach, it was at the beach, we didn't really do any beach time, it was a guy's trip, so we didn't do no sitting in the sand. We caught them fish. That's what we went down there to do. Hope y'all doing well out there, you low life and son of a guns. Hope you are. Uh, hope you're you're uh, staying COVID free because guess what, guys? Guess what? Uh, it's we're we're through talking about everything else now. So COVID is back in our lives, and the numbers are spiking. I'm losing my mind with it. I'm losing my mind with it. Mm, that was a good drink. That was a good drink of drink right there. Yeah, we, we go down to uh, the coast this weekend, me and the boys, and uh, hammer, hammer on some fish on the Shady Lady. Captain Brian Daniels and crew down in Orange Beach, Alabama, we went out with those guys and smashed some big red snapper. It was a blast. Uh, got to take all the kids, even little Ryder D got in on the action, the nine-year-old. Went with my dad, my brother, a couple of his friends. It was it was our friends, Blake's friends, but my friends. You know what I'm saying. Good people. 
good people and a great time. But what I noticed down there, you, you watch the you watch the news. I don't very much, but they're like COVID. It's everywhere. People, it's crazy. And you go to Orange Beach, Gulf Shores, Alabama, and by God, they stacked in there more than they've ever been. People are like, screw it. Now, they wear masks and stuff some places, which makes me laugh, too, because they got, like, their airbrush T-shirt on, and they're like, we going to the beach, but we we going to wear a mask to Walmart. But uh, it's very bizarre. It's the first time that I've gotten out in a while, right? It's the first time I've gotten out in a while. Uh, since April, whenever we went down, I did LBL from the from the condo there. But the world is crazy, man. It's crazy. And uh, I just, I don't know. I'm just kind of tired of it. A lot of folks hurting. A lot of folks hurting. A lot of folks out of work. And um, a lot of people just trying to get back to some form of normalcy. And you can tell that. And it was good to see. It was good to see that. If you disagree with that, I'm sorry. You can comment below that I'm an idiot. Because I have changed my stance on this COVID bull crap a hundred times. But uh, it's it's very, uh, it's I know it's serious, you know. Uh, we've got cases rising here in my hometown. But nobody changed what they were doing in my hometown from March till now. And, and we got about 20 more cases than we did, right? So it's very, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a fat bearded dude. Um, with a big, beautiful beard at this point, I like to point out to you guys, uh, that talks about fishing and talks about other things and talks about life on a show sponsored by Startron. Hey, that's one way to get it in there. Starbright Startron kicking ethanol in the teeth every single day for the Duncan crew around here. Starbright keeping our stuff looking good. What kind of stuff you might ask, Luke? Uh, I don't know. Anything. Sprayed it on a diving board this year, some uh, mildew remover. Use some Starbright down there cleaning up that old saltwater boat this weekend. It will take care of everything you got. They got you covered for real, Starbright, Startron, and they're bringing you low-budget live week after week after week for going on three years now, and that's pretty stinking awesome. So make sure you support the folks that support this fine industry. They also sponsor a lot of pro fishermen. Uh, and they, they sponsor some NASCAR guys and they sponsor some tournament trails. So make sure you support the people because these, these folks right here are the good guys. They're the good guys. They know what's up in our industry and, uh, they're, they're very, very tuned in and they're good people. So thanks to the fine folks at Star Trek for bringing you low budget live, for bringing you low budget live. So I'm going to jump right in. I got two guests today, which I'm very excited about. Very excited, and uh, I'm going to jump right in, okay, because the COVID stuff, you may be like, oh, I don't want to hear about COVID, but the COVID stuff kind of leads me to some of my thoughts, okay, on the FLW, MLFLW Super Tournament, Tournament for the Ages. Was that dramatic enough? Because I feel like it was very dramatic. Uh, first off, it's so weird to me, the whole microphone situation now. And I get it. Bass is having to do it. Uh, I think FLW, I didn't watch the final days. So I just think they refused to use a mic stand, which is bizarre to me. Because ABT, Alabama Bass Trail, shout out, shout out to K. Shout out to K. They're doing like a mic stand where you walk up and talking to it, away from it. Bass did that, and it was killer. 
smart and, and because poor Daniel Fennell, he's having to wipe the mic down when somebody touches it, which I, I watched a little bit of the way in the first day, and it was like watching a BFL way in because there were so damn many guys. No offense to BFL. I'm just saying they don't talk to people at BFLs unless you win. But there's 200 guys, and like these guys are paying a lot of money. They got sponsors, and I get like you 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 throw seven pounds up there. You probably don't want to talk to nobody the first day. I've been there, Lord knows. Uh, I'm just saying, you got sponsors. You 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 know whatever. And I understand they're trying to roll through 200 guys, and it's summertime, and you know the fish care is uh, the most important thing. So they're rolling through, but it is frustrating to see a guy catch a good bag and not get talked to because he may not on the second day. I don't know. It's kind of frustrating. But then what I noticed when I watched it was like, uh, and this is this is not surprising, but uh, it's like, oh, man, here comes Alton Jones. Can't wait to talk to you. And then Alton grabs a mic, you know, and it was like several of the BPT guys picked up the mic and several FLW guys didn't when they went across whatever. And those guys are pros, right? They know what they need to do when they get on stage. It's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. I'm so sick of this, the the microphone situation, the social distancing. I get it, whatever. You can't have everybody licking the microphone. But it's just, uh, we can have a tournament. We can be there, but then we got to do that. It's just, I know what they're, I know, you know, they're trying to take all precautions they can just because this world's stupid right now. But uh, for real stupid. But it was bizarre to me. And I, I saw some guys weighing some good bags, and they're just like, okay, 18 pounds, good job, catch them tomorrow, dude, off stage. And I don't know what I would like to have seen. If you talk to 204 guys, it's going to take forever because Lord knows uh, that was a crowd. That was a crowd. I'll be anxious to see how it fishes Mississippi River, 200 and whatever, and then again at St. Clair for the Super Tournaments. Greatest tournament field ever assembled. We don't care about turning them loose anymore because it's super tournaments. It's funny. Um, Some more thoughts, though. Some more thoughts. 204 boats on Chick is a crazy crowd. Crazy crowd. I've talked to some folks. You know, obviously people made it work, and it was the same for everybody. But if you got out of a bad rotation on that offshore stuff, you were screwed. You were screwed. It's too many boats, way too many boats, too many boats for a professional level field. Way too many boats, way too many boats. And, you know, there are only 56 BPT guys that signed up because of those sponsor obligations that so many of them have, which by looking at social media, it looked like several of them didn't have any sponsor obligations while Chick was going on. Uh, question mark. <laughs> but I actually had several people send me messages because they're like, I thought they had sponsor obligations. Some of them are fishing local tournaments. Some of them are saltwater fishing. Some of them are just hanging with family, which I have no problem with whatsoever, but just call it what it is, right? Call it what it is. You don't want to be a part of that and you don't want to pay entry fees because it was a zoo. Uh, positives from it, I will say, with that big of a crowd, it was very nice seeing half the field get paid, right? I think shooting for a hundredth, even though you got to beat a hundred other dudes, Shooting for a hundred for ten grand—that was a deep payout. That was a good payout. That was a good payout. Um, I dare say, I think the BPT guys would rather have fished for free in the BPTs against only seventy-nine other dudes. Just my opinion, but instead, here we are. I thought it was cool seeing those guys fish against FLW guys I fished against a long time, and 
you know, only two BPT guys made the top 10. They did make some checks. I don't have the overall number. They did make some checks in the top 100. A few of them made the cut. There were some of them that took a beating, though. I will say that. That just happens. It's going to happen. But there were there there were there were some wolves, there were some wolves that got their uh, legs striped a little bit. But that happens. That's going to happen. Um, that's going to happen. And that's and and I'll say this: that's why some of the others didn't fish too was for fear of that. A, a few in particular, I think, did not fish these super tournaments because of that. I'll say that. Um, so there are some positives in it. I'm hearing rumblings, and we'll see. I'm hearing rumblings. They're going to pay entry fees next year, Bass Pro Tour, if there is a Bass Pro Tour next year, if it's not all MLFLW Super Tournaments. It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. It's all MLFLW Super Tournaments next year, you know, or if they pay some form of entry fee. I just don't think I – don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, it's also crazy, though, that – and I've said this before. Like, you can completely drop your um, standards, you know, what you're, what you're shooting for uh, if times get a little hard, right? And I think that's what you're seeing right now. You know, if it was every fish count, we're going to shove that down everybody's throat, and that's what it is. And now we're uh, culling dead fish on TV. So I <laughs> uh, had a little incident with that. Or FLW doesn't have a rule against culling dead fish. They never did when I fished it. It was kind of a bizarre one, I always felt like. But uh, but Jason Reyes made a call to the tournament director. And on speakerphone, on camera, on live, he's like, yeah, you can call it, just don't do it in front of people or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, not exactly quoting Daniel there. But, uh, but that's always been their rule. And as long as... State and I don't and I forget what the ten, I live in Tennessee, but I forget what the Tennessee reg is on that. But they're like, yeah, just you can you can chunk them, dude. People, I got messages after message after message, and the freaking forums lit up. And that was a bad one because it's like extending the life of the sport. MLF, and then you got that situation. I don't know. A lot of double standards. I'm sure they'll change all that. I'm sure they'll change all that. Uh, I have no doubt that they will. Uh, I feel like. And it's just me. It's just me. I feel like they would have been better off to have tried to buy FLW before they did Bass Pro Tour and just do what they're doing now. I understand they tried some different stuff, but I think if you could have took the top dudes from FLW and took all the guys that wanted out of bass because they paid entry fees and everything was bad that ended up going back and paying entry fees and fishing the exact same kind of tournaments that they left, except against 200 and four people, uh, and just did this super tournament, they would have been better off. They would have been better off, for sure. Not force the format, keep doing the TV show, the Cup. And by the way, just totally around, what's the world championship? I saw the qualifi- the qualifiers for the world championship. How many championships do we have in fishing now? I don't know, but it's like the general tire world championship. It's apparently something's been going on. I don't even know what that is. Is that a TV show? Is that a tournament? I don't know. I don't know. Jacob Wheeler's going to win it, so it don't matter, right? I think we can all say that. Jacob Wheeler is going to win. Jacob Wheeler is incredible at this point. He has been his entire career. A lot of, a lot of uh, fellow pros like to hate on Jacob. Dude 
dude is something, man. He's a workhorse. I can say, uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, got tried to get him to come on after the Toyota series. Would love to have Jacob on, but you know, I've already explained that on here why why he you know he doesn't want to come on, and I get that, um, and I respect him for it. But dude is amazing. He's amazing, and he's won at all kind of levels. And it's just that was his first FLW win, though. first quote FLW win at the tour level because he never won on tour, which was amazing to me that he never won on tour. He never won on tour. Dude is uh, definitely the greatest angler on the planet, bass angler on the planet, tournament angler right now in this very moment. I don't know how he doesn't go down all time because homeboy just catches them. He just freaking catches them. And he works really, really hard. And I'll say this, like last Monday I was I was on Pickwick Lake that afternoon. Chickamauga was still off limits. Dude was down there practicing his ledge fishing. Now he had just won the Toyota series on Pickwick, had just been in Florida, drove home from Florida. And went to Pickwick and was practicing his ledge game before he went up there. Like, dude, that's dedication. When, especially when the tournament's on your home lake, basically. That you've already won on. That you know every spot on. Man, I, I don't know. Dude is on a some kind of roll. Nothing against Jordan Lee at all. Joe's smashing two this year. But, dude, Jacob's just, that's three freaking wins. In an abbreviated season. Now, think about that. We didn't fish professional events. We didn't see professional fish for three months. For three months? Three months. And, he, and he's won three, guys. I'm going to text our guest. Text our guest. But he, it's just, it's really, it's crazy. And then I saw on Instagram, he goes back out. Took his camera guy out, and they caught another ten and a half. Like, dude, I don't know. It's just crazy to me. He, he's he's on another level. Watching him live, I got to watch a little bit of it. It's crazy, and um, he's smashing, smashing. But uh, huge shout out to Cole Floyd for finishing second. That kid is a superstar in the making. He is uh, he's hard to beat on the Tennessee River, and he's a Kentucky Lake boy in his heart. And in his tournament finishes a lot of times, but he is uh, he 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 man he bested a lot of that field, a tough 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 field up there. Um, really caught him good. John Cox had a great event this week. Cody Meyer, Cody Meyer, boy Cody Meyer, who we've had on Low Budget Live many times, finished fourth. And our guest today is somebody that I, I I talked about on here last week, and y'all heard me pick them. I also picked with – a lot of this stuff coming to fruition. I'm not just pulling it out of my butt here. Uh, a lot of guys that called them, I called it. I'm just saying. But my guest today, and we're going to get him on the phone just here in a minute, is, is a – first of all, and I feel like I say this a lot a lot of people, but if I associate myself with people, this is what I consider them. But he's a fine human being. He's a really cool family. He has a really cool story. He is a he's one of the hardest working professional bass anglers and guides in the entire business. He has almost a half million dollars in earnings with FLW. 
He has four wins coming through the Costa and the BFL levels. He is not one on tour. He has a couple Forestwood Cup appearances, and he just finished up an amazing tournament at Chick. Had he not stubbed his toe a little bit day one, a little bit day one, he really makes some racket. And he's my buddy that I really like, and he finished up fifth place. And that is Mr. Alex Davis. Hello. Come on with it. What are you doing? Oh, just got back from the chiropractor. All them big boat waves from Chickamauga got me. <laughs> well, you got to toughen up a little bit. You fish Gunnersville all the time, dude. You, your back, your your lower disc got to be stronger than that. Come on now. I, I have never seen stuff like what I saw that Saturday before Father's Day. I think all of Chattanooga and half of Knoxville was out there in the biggest boats they make. I, I heard that. I heard I heard about that. I heard it was uh, from several several people, and I've seen pictures and things. But I heard it was crazy. And then you made the best post. The be- you always make the best post. First of all, because you're like me, you're a smart ass, and you're just like whatever. It's full sin. But when you posted that float plane, and you said, I, I mean, you're out of the you're like out of the sixty five thousand boats on chick. You know, now I got to deal with this too, or whatever. It made me laugh so hard because then I just saw somebody like buzzing around in it with a jersey on. Like, hmm, that looks like a juicy lace spot. Da, 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 da. Yeah, we'll take we'll take drones to a whole new level. Oh yeah, dude. You know, back in the day, guys would ride in planes, and it wasn't illegal. You could fly over the lakes during prior. A lot of guys did that back in the day. I've heard lots of stories about that from like old time guys, like the Charlie Ingrams of the world, and guys like that, like f- renting a plane and flying over, getting somebody I to take them over. Wish. If I could at Gunnersville or any grass like oh, that, yeah. if, if it was legal, I would hands down, no doubt, do it. You oh, can learn yeah. more in a plane in an hour than you can driving around for four days, I believe. Oh, yeah. Seeing, seeing especially when it starts getting high and, and matted up, you see them turns and points and holes. and Yeah, man. Well, well dude, congratulations on a, on a great finish. And I got to say, I don't. I don't. I try not to take too much credit on low budget live for people doing well. But uh, me and me and old pop, I had my dad on here for the Father's Day special, and we picked you. We picked you to have a great event. We were talking about our picks for the Super Tournament, and I told people you better watch Alex Davis. And lo and behold, you had a, you had a great week. Now, talk about what what place were you in? Because this was why I I, I I I love talking to you anyways. But I'm like, man, I want to talk to Alex about his week because your week was. To me, from keeping up with it, and I was I had a lot of stuff going on, but I was keeping up enough because I like to keep up with my buddies and what they're doing. And you had fourteen pounds the first day. Where did that leave you in the standings? Because you, were- I think I, I think I was in like sixty seventh or sixty sixth. It was somewhere in the sixties, but I knew, like, I was only four ounces out of the top fifty. Right. Um, right. I was in like a seven way tie, so I really don't know what place I was in because we was in like a seven way tie. And, um, they, and I, did, I didn't see that day coming. Um, so you thought was, you were going to blast them? Well, I didn't know I was going to blast them, but, like, I, I was catching them in the grass. That's what I did every morning. And in practice, every morning I'd get one or two big bites. Like, every day I'd get one five-pounder or two five-pounders and, you know, a limit of two and a half to threes to go with it. So I honestly thought I could catch 17 or 18 in the grass. And then the deep bite wasn't that great. It wasn't stellar. Um when I say deep, but I'm actually true ledges like 
we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, yeah. but a lot, everyone who actually caught him, even though they caught him, you know, quote unquote deep, it wasn't ledge fishing 101. It was offshore, um, offshore, but not deep. Offshore, but not even as much deep or definitely not ledges. So, um, I knew that was, I knew I could just get one or two bites. So I actually caught him in the grass the first day, never had a big one, never lost a big one, never hooked anything big. Um, and then the second day, I got a six pounder and a four pounder in the grass. And then that kind of, I had like 17 or 18 pounds the second day in the grass. And then I went deep in the end and caught a five pounder. So it gave me over 20. And then I knew from there, the only way I could try to catch up or really move up was fishing deep just because of the size Mm -hmm. um, that I saw on day two in the afternoon in an hour and they were starting to show up. So that's what I did the rest of the tournament, but it was really a uh, grass got me there and then deep got me home. Well, and, and so talk about that when you say they're just getting there. I mean, for people that don't that don't understand that, I mean, we're behind this year, and the whole country is, but you're talking about you think new fish were showing up deep. And this, I mean, we're talking about almost the last week of June here, but you thought new ones were showing up, or were they getting relocated because of all the boats, or what do you think? I, I really don't know what happened there because there was places in practice, like the four best places that I had found, day one, they're gone. And when I say gone, I don't mean like, oh, there's 10 or 15 down there. I'm talking like zero. They left. Like they they, they 100% left. And I have no idea why that, that's a phenomenon that I, I, they do it on Gunners when I don't yes, know why they, they do, do it. Yes, they do it on Pickwick too. <laughs> <laughs> um and the, the actually where I caught them days three and days four, there was nothing there in practice. There was nothing there day one. There was nothing there day two. I checked them every day. It's just a place historically I've caught them. Like that's been like some of the best places I've ever caught them at Chickamauga. So I continue to check it when I'm idling. If I'm riding past something, I mean, it literally takes seconds to check stuff. And they showed up. I mean, they just, they was there on day three. And actually a buddy of mine, he said, uh, I told him where I caught him, and he said, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, no. And he said, I idled it at 10 o'clock. I said, well, at 2 o'clock, they was there. That's unbelievable. So that's just how deep fishing works. That's and right. I think that's what I think that's honestly what separates the guys that you continuously see do really well. That's why they're so good at it. Like, if Mark Rose was in this tournament, I can just go and tell you, he would have caught him. Oh, for sure. He, he's one of those guys that if he finds 10 schools – He's not going to be hung up on those ten schools. I think that the, the best deep fishermen out there they always keep they're always looking during the tournament, and that's usually when you find them during the tournament. That's awesome because no one else knows they're there generally. Yeah, and, and that's what I was talking to uh, Sam George yesterday, and he was saying because Sam's great at graphing, and you know he he knows the deal, Tennessee River Rat, and he said all of his day one had moved, and he said he wasn't. He didn't get with the program enough that he needed to be looking during the tournament, right? And he kind of got dialed into that old thing, and he had a, and he bombed out. He had a terrible finish, and he said Dakota Ebear, who had a great tournament, Dakota caught them on one of his schools. He feels like, but they were like five hundred yards away from where they had been, and he didn't and he didn't look for them there, and they just moved to like a random place, mm-hmm. and he thinks so I, that I, pressure and things moved them, maybe you know. I think sometimes they might move 75 yards. Sometimes they move, might move a hundred yards. And sometimes I think they just, they, I think sometimes that's their stopping point. They're not actually wanting to live there. 
they have another place they're wanting to go. They're just staying there for, you know, it's like a motel. They're just staying at the motel. It's a, sta- it's a staging going, deal, yeah. Yeah, they're not actually going to the rental house. They're just staying at the motel for a few days. And I think that's sometimes what happens deep. And I don't really, I mean, I, I guess the only way you'll ever learn that is just to spend a whole lot of time on certain lakes and you figure out where they go and what they do. Now, I'm going to tell all you lowlifers listening right now that'll listen to this today that was some juice right there that was some alex davis juice that y'all just got because this man has spent more time on the tennessee river dare say than i'll say than than just about anybody i know uh and and he guides on gunnersville and i'll put up his information so you guys can book him for a trip because he has so many openings <laughs> he has so much time on his hands now he uh, he stays covered up and and what makes alex dangerous what makes you dangerous to me and and i've seen it everywhere we've ever gone your consistency has gotten a lot better and you and i've talked about that like you are a you had to break yourself, I feel like, on tour. And we've talked a little bit about this because we've roomed close to each other a few times. And we've talked about you are a big fish dude. That's just Gunnersville. And when you fish tournaments there, you got to – it's 25 – you know, 25 pounds, 20 pounds. You know, you've got to have those big weights. And and your first couple of years on tour, you struggled with that. And I think you would admit that. Like, you, you're – hey, man, i got to find the goods here. And sometimes 10 pounds is okay. I I still struggle with that. That's not a, a that's not a I have. I still to this day struggle. I, I was taught, and I'm not going to say taught. My the guys I looked up to and the guys that I got to fish with a lot was Brian Gregory and Marshall Deacons. They're tournament partners on Gunnersville. I mean, if you even know anything about Gunnersville, you probably know about them too. You probably hate them. Um, <laughs> and you probably don't like them. But they. They taught me you look for schools of big ones, not random fish, not this, oh, we're going to catch them off a bluff wall and I'm going to go fish some docks and I'm going to go flip some laydowns. I mean, they they taught me you look for schools of big ones. So that's how I grew up fishing. I looked for schools of big ones. And then you hit the tour and there's only a few places in the country that that works. Everywhere else, it doesn't work. And I've random. I've gotten I've gotten thrashed over the years at all those places, but I finally got onto the game plan. And this year, I mean, everyone loses fish. I, I get that, but I've had chances. I'm not going to say I could have top tend every one of them, but I've had chances this year that I've got to see with my own two eyes. If two fish come in the boat, I'm way up there in angle of the year, and it's the best season I have. But I think a lot of it's because I've learned just not to be so stubborn when I'm away from a Tennessee river lake like, or a place like Harris that has offshore grass where you find one wad of them and you just sit there because that's where a school lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going like Lake Martin. That's probably the best lake I've ever been to as far as catching fish. If anyone ever wants to just go catch fish, go to Lake Martin in Alabama. It's unreal. Yeah, that's true. Um, there are a lot of small ones, but it's a, you know, it was a random, you just keep fishing, fishing, run into them kind of a thing. So I, uh, I've learned my lesson, but I sure like going to the Tennessee River and places where I can do what I actually enjoy doing, which is look for schools of big ones. And But you're not only, because people listening to this, you're talking about the ledge fishing. You are, me and Swindle were talking about this not long ago, like you're one of the best grass fishermen I've ever been around. And, and obviously, dude, you cut your teeth since you were very young. And I want to talk about that here in a minute. 
but you've cut your teeth fishing grass. So when they put you on a place like Chick, that's grass and ledges, and it's a lake that that's on the chain. Uh, I mean, you're just you're dangerous, dude. And I've seen it with you at Pickwick, and I've seen it with you at a, a lot of places. But talk about your love for grass a little bit, and and uh, and just how like tell the people. Because that's one of the biggest questions I ever get, and I know you get it all the time. How do you break down grass on a new lake? What's just some throw out a throw out a a tip Tuesday on a Monday, an Alex Davis tip Tuesday? Give us how you're breaking down grass if you go to a new lake. Are you are you graphing it? Are you looking at contour lines? Or how do you decide? Hey man, there may be some bass around here. Uh, trolling motor, and I. I I get people all the time on guide trips. They say, man, I just don't know how you find them. You know, this lake's huge, and I, I don't understand how y'all find them so good. And it's it's not that. I mean, sure, you can look at a map. And I'm not going to say you can't. You can look at a map and think, oh, there's got little, you know, there's, there's a couple little points down through there, little depressions. And sure, they probably hold fish. But those maps ain't always right. And also fish don't, they don't realize that that map, they're supposed to live on a point. It could be like a big <laughs> patch of grass that's thicker on a straight stretch or just, you know, on a random, on a random flat, there could be one thick patch. The only way you're going to figure that out is sure. You could side scan it, but you're going to mark how many hundreds of thick patches through a day. I mean, I've learned everything with a trolling motor and just going, I mean, like when I, with Marshall, when I think the one thing I can take away fishing with Marshall is I thought we went flipping one day and this is where it all kind of came together for me. And I, I thought he was really going to teach me and show me something. I thought, well, I'm fixing to get a lesson by the best flipper that gunners was ever seen. And we started that morning and we lifted the trolling motor nine hours later. (laughs) All I really learned is when you put your trolling motor down nine hours from now, you're going to find something. But there was no rhyme nor reason. I mean, sometimes we caught them, and I was I was trying to think, what makes that place so different? The only thing I can honestly realize is they live there. That's what makes it so different. They live there, and they didn't live over there. Um, so trolling motor, I mean, you can have all the fancy-dancy graphs, but I think John Cox can prove more than anything that there's something to say about putting your trolling motor down and just going fishing. Just that's, going to work. That's The electronics for the deep stuff, you can honestly – see deep stuff i mean you can see the fish if you don't see them they're probably not there that's I mean, right unless you, but the grass stuff you can't just idle an edge of grass and say oh they're right over there oh they're right down there i mean you just can't which i i think that's what i like about it so much is i feel like i can find fish in grass that other people won't because they're not willing to look for them because the deep stuff you can just idle like it was kind of funny to me in this tour tournament. I'm not going to name no names, but <laughs> there was people. No, was we need people, names. This is the good stuff. Come on. There, there was people posting pictures on their social media that never in a million years would they ever graph for three days, and that's what they did. And I, I mean, know. I, I and know. they're actually friends. Like a couple of them was friends of mine, and I didn't want to say anything, but I wanted to call them and say, you don't, you don't belong out here. You belong near the bank. That's where you're really good that's at. That's right. So, I think it's kind of cool that it's actually happening because Gunners looks the exact same way right now. You don't have to fish offshore. Everyone no. in the last three years thinks that if you're not offshore, you can't even catch a bass. And the grass, <laughs> there's so many bass in the grass right now. It's it's ridiculous. Yep. And it's fun. Um, so it's fun fishing, I, I, and you're not sharing a spot with 40 other people most of the time, too. I have not caught a fish over five pounds on Gunnersville Deep this year. That's awesome. 
And but a lot of it's because I just haven't fished deep, and when I do, I catch a lot of two pounders. So, do you I think we've got grass. more grass at Gunnersville this year than we have in a long time, though? Absolutely, and I yeah. think that's probably part of the reason why they don't have to leave. I mean, if if Chickamauga had the grass that Gunnersville had. I guarantee it would have been one in the grass. It just doesn't have that much of it. I mean, it's got small areas of it. So, of course, fish are going to go out deep. That's where the shad was. Right. Uh, but Gunnersville is quite the opposite right now. So, it's, I, I think anymore you're seeing used to be when Mark Rose and, and, and Haynes was out there, deep was the deal. Like, they was like their own. Those two guys was. They were out they there and nobody else were. Yeah. Haynes. Yeah. Haynes was the forefather, I think, of fishing deep. And then, you know, everyone starts doing it. It becomes popular. Well, now yeah. all of a sudden, everyone's out there, and the guys that are against the bank or the guys that are fishing offshore but not deep looking for right. like, side scanning, now all of a sudden, those guys are dominating, and everyone out there that's on the big community holes are boat to boat. So it's kind of, yeah. it's going to come full circle again here soon. It, it I know has. It will. And I would say like my dad and I were winning a lot of team stuff in the early two thousands on deep stuff. And you, you never saw anybody. We could fish any hole we wanted to. And we'd are like all day long. You could get on every bit of it. Cause nobody knew it was out there. There weren't map chips, you know, it was right before mapping really started and you had to find it on a paper map and you had to just fish because our electronics weren't as good as they are now. Um, and you had to work at it. And we did it because we loved to fish deep. I mean, we, we figured it out a long time ago. And it's crazy to me, like you're saying, I saw the same pictures. It was very funny. You know, guys like, whoo, 14-hour day graphing. And I'm like, buddy, I hope you made some cast at some boat docks. <laughs> because, it, and, and I'm not making fun of those guys because here, here's the thing. I am. I, I love to graph. I do. I love looking at my Garmin's. I love riding around. I love playing with my Panoptics and all that. I do. But fishing the tour made me go back shallow more because of that. Because when we had a summertime ledge tournament, it's like ring around the freaking Rosie out there on all the all the damn good stuff, and it's frustrating. And I don't like getting into a boat race. You know. Rub rail to rub rail, guys fight. I don't like that. I like to have fun when I fish, even if it's for a hundred grand. I don't like the crowds. I just don't. The, the reason I fish grass is during practice, I had a snapping moment, and Dad was <laughs> with me, and we're idling, and I'm idling, and I found something. And it was on a place near the dam that shouldn't get a lot of pressure. Shouldn't. I turned around to look at him and cast on him. When I turned around, I almost got hit. Yeah, man. There was someone right behind me, and I, it, I, I'm not going to get mad at that guy. He's doing the same thing I'm doing, graphing, looking for him. I don't know how long he was behind me. He could have been behind me for a mile. I don't know. Right, because you're but dialed I, into what you're doing. Because I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm not looking behind me, and he was looking for the same stuff I'm looking at. It's not even a. It wasn't even a thing of I'm mad at him. When I snapped, I just told Dad. I said I've got to go in the grass to find some because this is not going to work. If you don't have a good boat number, you're just going to be driving around aimlessly. And if you go to your best place and they're not biting, what do you do now? And I said I have to go to the grass to mm -hmm. find some. And then that's when I changed my whole game plan. I told Dad. I said if I can catch him in the grass and get to day three, the lake's going to clear out and I'll be able to fish everything I want. And won't have no problems. And 
it almost really, really, really worked. Yes, I, I it did. It I did. I couldn't have caught Wheeler. I mean, that just. Yeah, it. we I don't even have to a, talk about that. And uh, I talked about that before you came on. That man is I, on fire right now. I couldn't. I couldn't have caught him. Even, I had two big opportunities through two days or through the four days to improve, but I still would have fished for second. But my plan worked because I just you can't compete. It's like Gunnersville. You cannot compete out there deep anymore because there's just so many people. Unless you get the one place that you wanted to go and you sit on spot lock all day long, I think you've got to look for like the stuff that Wheeler fished, what Cole Floyd was doing, what Jason Reyes was doing. I mean, you, you look at it, the top three guys was doing what you think they would do and kind of off-the-wall stuff. I think Cody Meyer was the only guy who fished true ledges and made the entire it, time. Yeah, and made it work. And he was he was pulling that California witchcraft finesse, <laughs> finesse juju he, on him. <laughs> he, he was doing the finesse stuff, which to me is not ledge fishing. I'm That's not right. Knock yeah. it because Cody is probably the best oh, in the he's country the best. at it. He's the best. But I mean, I know how to throw a drop shot on eight pound test and a robo worm with everybody else who knows how to do it. But Cody's got some stuff that <laughs> yeah. people don't know about. Cody, Cody's gonna, on. I'm, yeah, sneaky, 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 yeah, sneaky. He's, he's got sneaky stuff that I don't know about, nor will I ever know about, because I traditionally want to throw a big spoon and a big spinner bait and a hair jig. That's my. That's my deep fishing. That's that's me, and I, you know, big crankbait, big football jig, big you know, big worms. That's what, and I'm having to relearn. This year, I've been home more than I've ever been home, obviously, and you have too, uh, for the last few years. But I mean, you know, I travel between TH and and the tour the last few years. I'm gone a ton, and I've fished at home a lot, and I'm having to relearn. And this is crazy to say, but I think you would agree because of the way Gunnersville is. But I'm having to relearn everything around here because like the deep fish don't set up like they used to as much and they don't react to the same things anymore at all because they see so freaking much of it they see oh, 47s c20s from six cents and six xds and and they don't eat that stuff all the time now you have those days right i mean you, you would agree with that we you have those days where you catch them on that stuff but not as many on the tennessee river on the tennessee river and it's just because they get fished for so much anymore. And I think a lot of it has to do with COVID this year. I mean, you, no doubt, no doubt you're getting, I think there's been more Turkey hunting pressure and more fishing <laughs> pressure than there ever yes, has sir. in the history because of COVID, but it's also making those deeper fish so much smarter because used to, you know, during the week, a oh, place yeah. might get fished one or two times a day, maybe. Well, now it's just a choo-choo train, but you, I can't get mad at anybody. No, no, not at all. People's out there fishing, and people want to learn deep stuff, so let her rip, Tater Chip. But that's when that's when this guy has to go to the grass because I I get I get frustrated well, anymore you, with and, it. And you and I make a living educating people on catching fish and promoting the growth of the sport. And that's what we do. And that's what we're about. So it's hard. To, we're not complaining about that. Cause I think people, I'll make posts about that. Sometimes I made one about a guy cutting me off on a ledge and people were like, it was split. Like people were like, amen. Or, and then people were like, he's got just as much right as you. But this guy like idled over my line when I was casting. So it was a whole, whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole different thing. But I, but I was like, I was trying to say, just because you go buy four graphs doesn't mean you get to sit on top of another boat. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, like there's gotta be some etiquette that comes back into this. Um, but when you brought up COVID and has, did that affect your guide business this spring? I mean, do you have a lot of cancellations? Cause you have For folks from weeks. travel. Yeah. 
for for three weeks it pretty much crippled me um when it happened i think it was right after lake martin when they put the shelter in place for three weeks every trip i had canceled okay um just because and i understand i mean i can't get mad at nobody i didn't even I, you know i've refunded everyone's deposits because i understand the nation's going through something we've never seen it, after about three weeks i think everyone was getting stir crazy and they wanted to go fishing and i've been wide open ever since that's awesome um I think some hunting and fishing, something you just, people are going to do no matter what they, you can't not, that's where people actually enjoy themselves and outdoors. And I get it because those three weeks was the best Turkey I've never ever seen in my life. I went every day. <laughs> I kept up I with it. it. I, I, was jealous. Of it. <laughs> I was I was jealous. I was jealous of the Turkey hunting going on. Well, speaking of God, now I, I want people to, cause they hear me talk about you on here and they follow you and they see you on tour, but Talk a little bit about, because I think you have one of the coolest stories in the sport, but talk a little bit about where you're from originally, your mom and dad, and getting to Gunnersville, um, uh, and, and how long ago that was. Because you started guiding at what, 16, 17, as the spinnerbait kid, or was it younger than that? Well, no, it was, uh, so I lived in Virginia, and then my dad didn't want to live in Virginia no more. He wanted to live in Colorado when he was like eight, because he liked elk hunting. So... <laughs> We moved to Colorado. He was a he was a drywall guy. And my mom did title insurance, so their jobs was pretty flexible. They do whatever they want. And then we lived in Colorado. Um, I got the bass fishing itch when I was probably about twelve, where that's all I wanted to do. And uh, I'll never forget it. I was actually signed up to be a fishery biologist. I was in Colorado State. I was on scholarships. I hated school with a passion. Um, I did drywall in the afternoon with my dad, and I came to my dad one day, and I said, I'm going to quit school. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I want to be a professional bass fisherman. And he said, I'm okay with it, but I don't think your mom's going to go for it. And I, he, I said, well, we're going to have to have a talk. Went home, talked. She probably shed a few tears when I wasn't around, but she she was going to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, so we moved from Colorado to Gunnersville. And that story is kind of crazy. They flew on a plane over the weekend. They looked at Decatur. Dad didn't like Decatur. Um, they looked at Albertville and Scottsboro. Dad liked Albertville. They hadn't bought a house. They was driving through a neighborhood. They saw the house they wanted. It was for sale by owner. Talked to them an hour later. They bought the house, and we flew back. They flew back to Colorado. And you uh, had ties to Gunnersville because of Marshall. You're you're family with marshall deacons correct no no oh i, I thought you, to, i've always thought that okay i was i was no, wrong with my, that my grandfather so my dad's dad lived in falkville okay so he okay lived over so we the only tie we had to this area was my dad's dad. okay okay um, i thought you had i thought you had other family there already for no some he was, my, my dad's a loner he says i'm a loner and i like to be alone so we kind of uh shout out to jeff from, too by the we way went, we, we need him on here <laughs> We went from the trailer park in Colorado to uh, a nice subdivision in Alabama just because That's the cost awesome. of living the cost of living in Colorado is ridiculous compared to Alabama. Absolutely ridiculous. So we got to move here, and um, that was just so I could pursue my dream of dream of fishing. I didn't really know how I was going to do it. I just knew I, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, the first day so we moved cool. here, I went to the grocery store to get groceries. There was a uh, help wanted sign. I said, what's that for? And he said, it's for third shift, son. You ain't going to like it. And I said, well, if I work at night, I can fish during the day. I said, how much does it pay? And he said, seven twenty-five an hour. I said, well, sign me up. So I worked night shift for a year and a half, worked from 1130 to 830 every morning, stocking shelves at a grocery store. 
And then I'd fish when I got home. Dad would already be like, Dad was up and ready. So when I got home, we'd go fishing. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then some people started asking me because I started posting on like fishing reports as the spinnerbait kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like 21, 20, See, I always thought you were younger than that. You're so baby-faced, Alex. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, still, a, I'm still a youngster. Um, but I was like 20, 21, and people started asking me to take them fishing, so I started doing it. Well, I figured out real quick, I can make more money taking someone fishing than I can working at a grocery store in a week. So I went and got my captain's license and uh, did all the legal stuff that I needed to do, and I opened my guide business. And then at one time, I was guiding – working at the grocery store in the afternoons, evenings, and then I was waxing their floors at night because I was just, I thought, I mean, I was a 21-year-old kid making like 2900 a week. So you can't go wrong with that. I was just, I was saving money to buy a bigger boat. I wanted, yeah. a, I wanted a 520 and buying tackle and all that. So that's just how it snowballed. And then uh, my first tournament I ever fished on Gunnersville, I come in second. And then the following week, I come in second. It was a grand slam. I think I won like, nine grand in a week in in 10 days time. So that kind of, that fueled the fire. And then I wanted to fish the tour real bad. I was fishing everything I could at home, guide trips, and I won an ever start. I come in top 10 when Elias won at the tour. I come in top 10. So that was like 10 grand or 12 grand. And then I won the ever start the following spring and won a BFL. So I used that money to sign up for the tour and the rest is history. That's that's awesome, dude. I I knew I knew and I've known you for a long time, I feel like, and I just for some reason I I, I always thought Marshall was like your uncle. I really did. Like I, I always thought that. And then uh and I thought you guys came from Virginia to Gunnersville. I never knew there was a Colorado in between. That's even crazier to me now. Even cooler, like part of the story. Uh, and I kind of call I call Marshall my grandpa and I put it on social media so that's probably where everyone <laughs> I got you really, I got I you put, I always put me and Papa so yeah yeah that's, well that's that's awesome dude I I don't think uh, your parents and I, I've been fortunate enough to be around them are freaking awesome people and I've uh, been around your dad way more than your mom but I've met your mom a few times too and your dad travels with you to the tour um, he can't practice with you or can he practice with you now. He cannot make a cast. He can ride in the boat, which is absolutely miserable. Yeah, but, but he goes. He cannot. He goes. He does go. And and my favorite my favorite pop story is this one right here, and I'm going to tell it. No, I've got two. I've got two about your dad. We for whatever reason, Alex and I, we never planned it, but the last couple of years I was on tour, we always stayed around each other. I felt like, and it was great, mm-hmm. and and hung out and and. Uh, had great times, but we never really planned it. But we were at St. Clair one time, <laughs> two years ago, and your dad, your dad's a catcher. He just wants to catch fish, and he likes to catch anything and everything. And and he got to catch a muskie in practice. And he was telling us all about it, sitting around. We were rigging tackle one night. We were staying in this marina. He takes a swim bait, and he goes down on the dock. Me and Alex are just shooting the bull across the parking lot there. And all of a sudden, he says, Alex! Bring the net. <laughs> Bring the net. Well, we were just hearing him screaming. We were like, well, is something wrong? Like, we go jumping, and, dude, he's got this big old muskie off the dock. On a big swim bait. We're out there rigging tackle. But the wagon wheel story was my favorite one. Oh, uh, gosh. He found a wagon wheel, an old school wagon wheel, off of a wagon, kids, uh, on the bottom of Lake Champlain, and... Stripped down to uh, nothing but his 
his nakedness. And <laughs> 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 went and got it off the bottom. I pulled by and he was like beating mud off. I said, what are you doing? I think Alex had already gone for the morning. I said, what are you doing? He's like, got this wagon wheel. I'm like, where? He's like, you have to get Alex to tell you the story. Because uh, didn't you go, you went to the hardware store and got like a rope and a hook and he tried to pull it up and it was too heavy. Oh, so well, the first day, the, when we found it, we tried to pull it up. That didn't work. Then he decided he was going to get naked. He was going to go to the bottom, and he was going to Superman it off the bottom. I told him, this isn't going to work, Dad, but it is what it is. I'll let her rip, Tater Chip. So he did it, and he said he felt like when he tried to lift up, all the air came out of his body, so yes, he aborted right. mission. That's right. That's right. So then that night, we went and got bricklayer cord and a big treble hook, and that's that's what we did the next day in the morning is went and got this thing. So I spent about three hours of practice getting this wagon wheel. But the, now is that mom and dad's in their backyard. It's their yard art. So yeah. looking back at it, I'm glad we did it. And you'll but never forget time, that. I, the whole time I was thinking the stuff that we do oh, during practice. So, so good, dude. I love, I love that so much that, that week. Champlain's is special and beautiful. Anyway, he's like, I found this wagon wheel. I'm like, how did you see that? How did you even find it? The water's gin clear. I get that. But when he said he got in the water nude to go after it, it was so cold. The water temperature is so cold on that lake anyways. Dude, I don't even know how he did it. I, the water was 58, and I yeah. told him, you're not going to like it. And it's even colder at the bottom. He said, I'm, I can handle it. Well, if, <laughs> the first thing he said is, I'm freezing and I lost my breath. I said, exactly. I mean. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I told you, man, we get a reality show with my dad and your dad going. It's the next big YouTube series. We get them two oh. fishing together. Because you you had the uh, displeasure of fishing with my dad the other day. Uh, I loved that so much, man. I'm glad he got to go. It was, uh, I didn't even know I was taking him. I yeah. showed up on a guide trip and I was supposed to take this guy. I've taken a few times. He brings his customers and he said, yeah. hey, you, you might know this guy I'm going to bring. And I was like, I, I guess it's early in the morning. I don't function <laughs> early. So yeah, whatever you say, buddy. And then he got out and I was like, well, that's Luke's dad. What's, what's, am I taking Luke's dad? What's going on today? And I mean, we had a, we had a really fun time. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. I lost the big one, but he I mean, he got to laugh at me. I got to make fun of him a lot. He yeah. got to make fun of me a lot, so we had a good time. Yeah, he, he had a great time, man. He, he asked me the night before, he goes, hey, uh, Justin Moon is the other guy. They work together. He's like, Justin's asked me. He had a guy bail on him. He wants to know if I want to go fishing with Alex tomorrow. He goes, you think that's going to be okay? Because, I mean, we fish Gunnersville. Not Dad doesn't go over there very much at all anymore, but I fish it a few times a year. And he's like, you think Alex on my I said, Dad? No, he's just going to take you to all his junk holes all day, but it's fine. Go with him. <laughs> he, he he had a great time, man. He he was genuinely concerned. He's like, I don't want to just show up. And I said, well, I'm not going to text him at 9 o'clock at night and say, hey, you're taking my dad tomorrow. I said, just uh, show up. You'll be good. And, and man, he uh, – he had a great time, man. He pulls for you. He's always pulled for you, though. He 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 likes. He's always liked him some Alex Davis. So, uh, and fishing with you, you let him throw the megalodon spinnerbait too. So you're always in his good graces because he's been eyeing that thing ever since I tagged him in one of your posts because he's Mister <laughs> Mister Big Spinnerbait lover. He was like, oh my god, and he's like, I got to th- I got to throw that thing. 
<laughs> he, as soon as he saw it, he was like, I'd like to throw it at one point in time. And I didn't let him throw it for a while just because yeah. I was just being a, I was being a real smart ass that day. Finally, I was like, you won't throw that thing? He was like, I thought you'd never ask. Yeah, yeah, he was all jacked out. He saw your post, that uh, like the top 10 bait post, and you had it. And he's like, Alex got to throw that at Chickamauga. He, dude, he, he's jonesing for some. I'm going to have to find him some. Because um, he is, he's all in. Uh, did you did you catch a lot on that thing at, at Chick? In practice, on one place, had I kept throwing, it would have been like Dad was videoing. That's what Dad does now. He's not allowed to practice, <laughs> so he videos me practicing. Which I feel bad for him because I have the most supportive parents in the world. Um, we didn't we didn't have much when I was growing up, so. All they all I had was their support, which is awesome. That's why my dad gets to go, and that was like the cool thing about the tour is he got to fish because, like you said, a lot of times he fishes for stripers and muskies, not for bass. Yeah. Um, but this time now he just gets to videotape it. So with the big spinner bait, I whipped it out, and he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to have this on tape." And I was like, "You might want to turn it on." He was like, "Oh yeah, I'm recording." And like I could have caught him every cast for I don't know how long. And I'd hook one. He's like, "Is it a big one?" I was like, "No." And I'd boat flip, and he's like. Just a four pounder. Whoa! That that spinner bait. There's a and like I said, it's just like we talked earlier with the big spoon and the big hair jig. It's not going to work every time you cast. No. But when you hit that school, then they kind of want to bite something that looks like an eight inch gizzard shed. That spinner bait wrecks them. And I mean, it, it's only JDM, right? You cannot find it in the states yet. It, no, it's going to be from what I'm told. I do not know a hundred percent. I think they're going to release it next year to the American market. Okay. Um, so right now it's a strictly a JDM bait, but I can go on and tell you when one hits it, the only thing you can think is, God, how many more of those do I got? <laughs> if I lose this thing, like I'm in trouble because it's a train wreck. Like, it's like an A-rig bite. The blade's a number 15, which oh. I don't know. If you, if you don't know how big a number 15 is, just put your hand out there and go from your middle finger all the way to the bottom of your palm. That's a number 15. Wow. No, it's insane, dude. I can't wait. And when, and when they hit it, like you, the first bite, I honestly thought I got like a, I hit like a stump or a rock and got stuck because that's that's what happens. Like mm. they hit it going the opposite way. Mm. Yeah, I got a little lake that uh, I need a dose of that on. <laughs> I got a little lake up here, and well, they like to eat them big gizzy shads all the time. That you can't throw anything that's too big most of the time, and uh, they would really like a dose of that. Really like a dose of that. Well, buddy, I know you got a guide trip. I've kept you, I've kept you longer than I than I ever meant to when we booked this. But uh, dude, I absolutely can't thank you enough for coming on. And uh, and I, hey, give these low life y'all go follow Alex on everything on social media if you're not uh, if you're not already. Most of you, if you're here, you probably are. But uh, go give him a follow and, and go book him for a guide trip on Gunnersville. If you want to get away to Gunnersville and you don't live in this this area and uh, you want to go catch some fish, I promise you, Alex is is uh, is your best choice for sure, uh, dude. I appreciate it. Send me pictures of all the fish you catch in the grass later today. Well, I'm going to Luke. I appreciate it and uh, tell all them low lifers thanks for listening. Hey, absolutely, dude. We will and. Uh, be safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon. This is this is Fourth of July week, man. It gets crazy. Oh, I'm going grilling. I'm going to grilling. Heck yeah! All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. See you, Luke. All right, thanks, Alex. That's a good one right there. That's a good one right there. Old Alex Davis. Alex Davis. Thank y'all for listening to that. We got another guest, and this I'm going to call him right now. Um, my next guest of the day. 
my phone's trying to do a software update. No, don't do that phone. Uh, my next guest was the topic of conversation last week on the Father's Day episode. And we saw this again this week, this penalty, right? This two-pound penalty. And my guest today would have won his first Bassmaster if it was not for this penalty. And he reached out to me and said, hey, man, I would like to come on the show and talk about this. And his name is John Garrett. He is a, he was a Bassmaster College Tournament phenom. He caught a lot of fish. He made the classic. He is trying to make the Elite Series. He's a very good young man, and he's a fish catcher. And we're going to talk to uh... – oh, yeah, I like it. A little, cl- little classical this morning. Hey, buddy, how are you? John Garrett, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. You had that classical music I was uh, for your little ringback tone there, <laughs> man, and I was uh, – I was, I wasn't surprised. You seem like a sophisticated soul. Yep, 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 now, yep. Even for a Kentucky Lake boy, I mean, you seem like a sophisticated <laughs> soul. Uh, well, man, I, I set it up a little bit in the beginning. This was something I talked about last week, um, and and I want to give your opinion on it, and I want to hear the whole story for uh-huh. sure because last week I did a Father's Day special with my dad, so I didn't have any guests, and and I certainly I had you in mind to have you on last week after the craziness. I didn't figure you wanted to talk about it immediately, but I'm glad that you reached out and wanted to uh, wanted to talk about it now. But yeah. this rule, because we saw Jacob Wheeler get affected by it again uh, this week. We saw Shane LeHue the week before when Buddy Gross won at Ufala. It actually knocked Shane from the top 10, put Buddy in the top 10, and he went on to win the tournament. So it affected the overall outcome of the tournament for sure. But uh, just – Take me through that day, man. I mean, you I was watching on Open's Live. It was awesome. You were doing a great job. You were you were catching them. You were breaking down what you were doing. Um and and you were having that special day. But uh talk about what happened. Man, I like you said, I was I was having just a awesome, just I had a great flurry. Um, you know, emotions were rolling and I had a couple fish catches that that happened that just don't it just don't happen um on normal days i'd seen a couple big ones cruising down the bank and you know that some of them were half sick half alive flip up in front of them and they just bite oh, man. So I just, and i knew in my head that you know that it was happening and i knew i had good fish and good weight water was dirty you know i was excited nervous and i just look i, I went back and watched live and I just miscounted my fish. Um, for some reason, I, you know, when I had four, I said I had four, but I caught my fifth one, and I said I had four in the box. Mm. So when I caught my sixth one, I just chucked it in there, assumed it was my fifth, and went back to fishing. Um, but, I mean, it just, you know, you kind of hit on it last week. It was just, you know, you're nervous catching fish. You know, your mind's everywhere, and it, it just – numbers slip away from it that's that's what happened well and i i think that so many people if they've never been in that situation fishing a big tournament at all you know your nerves are going anyways you got a lot on the line you got a lot of money invested in it i mean this is the path you you've chose to take in life and you got a chance at the elites which is your lifelong dream the classic again you know you're trying to you're trying to get there and with that win you solidify yourself that those bassmaster opens wins are 
as hard or harder than the Elite Series, I feel like, because of the locals and the amount of talent and the amount of boats that you have to deal with yep. and co-anglers and things. I mean, there's a lot of variables going. It's hard to pull one off. you got to have a very special week, and it looked like, and you did. You were having that day yep. that we've seen so many guys have when they go to win. And, and I said this last week, too, and I want to say this again because I don't want to read all you YouTube commenters giving me a hard time over this. <laughs> Chris Jones fished a great event. Chris Jones yep. is an amazing yep. fisherman. Okay, he wins a ton of things in Oklahoma. He is a great angler. He caught an amazing stringer of fish. If he catches one pound less, he doesn't even win. But that being said, uh, what do you think? And I, and and I I don't want I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you feel like the the punishment fits the crime? Because I don't at all. I I, yeah. I don't. That's my stance. But what do what do you think? Two pounds is an insane amount of weight on. Anywhere you go or any time. Um, especially the Arkansas River, though. Yes, especially the Arkansas River. Um, you know, if you bring in a dead fish, it's only four ounces. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, is killing a fish worth or is killing a fish worse than having six in the box? You know, I, I feel like I feel like killing a fish, you know, I mean, of course you're not doing it intentionally, but you're only getting four ounces deducted. Um, and I, I don't know this, um, I, I, you know, most lakes and states, you know, let you have, let you keep 10 fish. I mean, I, you know, if you're breaking, breaking a state law or whatever, I mean, yeah, there needs to be a penalty, but two pounds, and I think is a little too steep, I believe. Yeah, I, I do too. And I feel like, so that rule, and I had a lot of, when I said it last week, I had a few comments that were like, it is what it is. It's an old rule. You know going in. Well, you do and you don't. I mean, that was something that was, it, you know, when we went to smallmouth lakes in particular, I was always trying to be real conscious of it because you get to catch them fast and furious and you got them on a balance beam and you're like, wait, how many do I even have in there? You know, you, you've got to pay attention to it. Uh, but at the same time, in a tough tournament like the Arkansas River, which was a grinder, those things can happen because of adrenaline and different things. And like, you're having this magical day. Uh, but we saw it and it doesn't matter. Like you've never been in that position in the Bassmaster open with a chance to win. Um, like you were that day with cameras around and things, but you look at a guy like Jacob Wheeler, who is quite possibly the greatest angler in the, in the country right now. I mean, I think it goes without saying he's the greatest tournament bass angler yeah. right now. And he did it. He did it this week. <laughs> At the yep. FLW and had would have had 27 pounds, but ends up weighing 25. Now, it didn't end up hurting him. Obviously, he had a great week. But that being said, you can overcome two pounds at Chick a little bit easier, especially when you catch a 10-pounder. Yep. Yep. You still weigh 25 pounds. Two pounds at the Arkansas River is very harsh. My, my thing is this overall, and it was the same with Shane LeHue at Eufaula, you know. Um, that is... I don't understand how we came up with two pounds. And, and maybe I can get – and I really wanted to today. I've been gone to the beach. I told you this. I've been been gone, so I didn't get to – I really wanted to reach out to FLW and to Bass. I wouldn't mind having, like, Trip Weldon on to know where the origin of that – like, why two pounds? You know yeah. what I mean? And I don't know – I mean, is a pound more – FLW used to – my dad and I talked about it last week. They used to throw out your biggest fish and give you a pound penalty. And I think that's what Bass used to do, too. Like, if you brought them to the weigh-in, because I remember Skeet Reese doing it one time at Wheeler. He brought in six, just totally catching them fast. You know what I mean? Not trying to oh, yeah. hoodoo anybody. Because I, the rule is written 
for that reason, right? So you don't have 10 in the box that you sort through all day long in case you have one die or whatever. That's what I feel like the rule's written for, yeah, you know, to yeah. kind of protect protect from that. More than the state laws, I think that was kind of originally, it's a very old school rule, and I understand state laws. I, I do. I, I get that, and we've got to abide by them. But, man, how long, how long did you fish before you realized it? I had a, I had six, look, watching back on live, I caught a limit around 10 o'clock. And I didn't realize it until like 1245. So you had them in there a couple hours, but then you self-reported. Yes. Um, I, I was being, I have made a mistake of culling out too many fish. I, I've done that. A, I've, I've read that, that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've always been super paranoid about only having four in the box and i went back there four or five times and as soon as i touched five fish i was like all right i got five in there i'm good to go um but like i said the water was dirty and i wasn't using cold cold tags um but i caught a fish that i thought may help and i pulled four out and had them all you know i put put them on cold tags was you know, balance beam, beaming them. And then I felt down there, I had a big one, and then I felt a little rat down there at the bottom. Mm. And that, that's when I knew. I was like, oh, gosh, you know. Mm. But And so you called Chris Bowes and just said, hey, yep. here's the deal. I call, yeah, I called Chris, and he already knew. Um, everybody on live had already knew. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. See, I, mi- I missed that part of it. I'd watched early that morning. I missed that part. Yep. Everybody knew. He's like, well, John, I you know, I'm glad you called me because I already knew. Um, he said, throw your smallest one back, and you can keep fishing. So, you, but you, so you call your smallest, but then it's two pounds. Yes, exactly. Okay, man. And then, and I know, I, I hate to even ask you, but in that moment, I mean, what are you feeling? You're like, because did you feel like, because they were they were on you so much, which you were up there in the top five anyways, did you feel yep. like you, had a, you, you were winning the tournament because uh, of the day you were having? I... I just knew that, well, I mean, of course, Chris Jones had a big bag, and you can't expect someone else to catch, you know, 19 pounds and, you know, in one of those yes. on, the, on Arkansas River. But, right. Um, you know, I felt like I was fishing against Dale Hightower. Just in my mind, right. it was me and Dale. Um, Dale was across the river, and I just knew I pulled on that stretch, and I could just tell that, that's where they dumped those fish yesterday. I mean, I could see fish cruising down the bank. I, I probably caught 20 or 30, almost three pound fish that day. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just knew in my head, I was like, man, I think I, I feel like I'm going to win. You know, and it, you don't feel like that. Those opportunities don't come around much. And then when I had that two pound penalty, I was like, man, I don't know if I just cost myself the win or not. And later that day, probably, one o'clock or so, uh, me and Dale were fishing through the same stretch and we crossed each other. He was like, man, you got him? I was like, I, you know, I was like, I, I probably got 15 pounds and which I did with the penalty. And he was like, I only have like 12. And in my head, I was like, man, I still have it. You know, I still have a pretty good chance to win. Mm. So, mm. so talk a little bit about, cause I, th- I thought you were explaining this really good on, on camera. But talk about the retreads. Talk about the release fish, because this is something that I feel like doesn't get talked about a ton. Um, but you're basically catching fish that 
have been caught and released. Talk about that. Yeah. Uh, well, Jacob Wheeler just done it at Chickamauga. Yeah, no, uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was fishing right outside Chester Frost. and uh, Where all the know, tournaments I, go out of, big tournaments. Yep. I, I, kept, I keep up with the CBAs, and I, I'm not going to swear to this, but I'm pretty sure I've seen a picture of the exact 10-pounder he weighed in. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure uh, it's been weighed in. But, yeah, those retreads, especially on the Arkansas River or anywhere with current, they're kind of easy to pick off. Um, it's just part of their recovery stage. They, they have to eat. And, you know, especially there, you know, Sabine River – um, any, any of those current red river, <laughs> red river. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, they're easy to catch. They, they stick their nose behind a piece of wood or behind a current break. And, um, you know, whether they're trying to feed up or not, you at least can get a reaction bite out of them. Yeah. Sure. Well, that, that was, that was man strategy. Well played dude. I mean, it, it was, you know, it was crazy to see. And I've seen guys do that many times. I've done it myself, you know, um, yep. It, it it happens a lot. It, you fish around those areas where you know they have a lot of local tournaments, and in this case, where you guys were going out of too. And um, it's very cool, man. But uh, so so, what's the rest of the year looking like for you? Got uh, six more opens. You fish in both divisions. Yeah, yeah fishing both divisions. Uh, hopefully, we get to go to Onada. Um, yeah, with the, with the COVID. Um, not sure how that's going to play out. Uh, we got a text from Bass a couple of days ago saying that. They're not sure what's going to happen either. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing that on their Northern Elite swing that it could be interesting, you know. And I know MLF uh, BPT had to pull out from Vermont, New York because of the same reasons on Champlain. So it's getting crazy out there, man. But there's a lot of lakes, and Bass does a really good job of rescheduling. I, I feel like they uh, they'll put you somewhere um, somewhere else if if they can't yep. go. So where are you sitting in those combined points? Um, I think I'm in 13. Okay, okay, got to uh, make a top four. Yeah, and it don't sound bad, but I dug myself a pretty good hole in Florida. Um, I think I'm like 40, 40 or 50 points back from that fourth place. Um, six tournaments to go though. I was talking to another buddy yeah. of mine that was in like 20th yesterday, and like I told him, look, man, there's you can almost throw out a bad one with with eight to deal with. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, granted, you got some sharks you're dealing with. Oh yeah, <laughs> those combined. Yeah, but you're sure. used to you're used to dealing with that, though, uh, for sure. But man, I really uh, I'm pulling for you, dude. I hope that you can slide up there in either uh, the central division or the combined and and uh, make the elites, man. Because I know that's the that's the ultimate goal. Uh, yep, it, to be there for 21, man. Uh, well, yep. look, I really appreciate you reaching out to me, and and uh, and I wanted I wanted to have you on because I I feel like it's only fair to uh, to get to tell your side of the story, and not that any nobody said anything negative about you in the yeah, least, because yeah. people know this is not like a information rule or something crazy getting broken where people are like oh that guy's a cheater. I mean, nobody thought that. I don't think anybody that yeah. that heard the story thought that. But uh, you, you're going to be better for it, dude. No doubt about it, and it'll just make that first win that you're definitely going to get uh, that much sweeter. And hey, maybe it'll be on the Elite Series, and then you'll be like, "Oh, Arkansas River, what a joke that was!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, dude, uh, I really appreciate it. I hope you have a good Fourth of July, and uh, we're fixing to uh, shut this puppy down. 
Sounds all, good, all, mate. all right, dude. Thank you so much, John, and uh, best of luck to you. Make sure uh, drop uh, what what's your social media stuff for everybody. Know, all the low lifers uh-huh. go follow John because he's always posting yeah. pictures of bigs. So go uh, ahead, John Garrett, John Garrett fishing. John Garrett fishing, and. Uh, He's a fine young man. Y'all go follow him. John, I really appreciate you calling in, and uh, we will talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. John Garrett. John Garrett right there. It's uh, it's not easy to overcome a mistake like that mentally when you're a young man. I I can't imagine what that would have done to me, but he's cooler than the other side of the pillow. So really wanted to have him on. And, And this rule is, you know, I'm not hating on it by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I don't know where we get two pounds from. And and I had a fan uh, in the comments, a low-lifer listener, say last week, two pounds is very different on the Arkansas River versus Chickamauga versus Eufaula. It is. So that's kind of – it can't be – and I understand it can't be something that's variable. I get that. But I don't know. It's uh, like he said, four ounces for a dead one, and we're all about conservation and keeping the fish alive. It's eight ounces at FLW, but it's two pounds for making a cast with a six fish. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Y'all comment below again what you think about that. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. I really appreciate it if you were watching this on YouTube. And for all you iTunes, Spotify listeners, y'all are killing it over there. We got some some delicious, delicious numbers over there. Y'all are uh, making me very happy, and I appreciate that. Uh, For y'all listening, y'all are loyal loyal folks and i really appreciate that and uh always will make sure uh make sure you've watched boats and pros with carl jacobson we're a little over twelve thousand views on that thing i'll put a link up at the end of this video um for that it's uh it's definitely one of those that uh you want to watch if you haven't watched it i, I think carl's story is amazing wanted to give a quick shout out to, uh to bass they reported 2.8 million viewers on Bass Live uh, on ESPN2. That's pretty freaking cool. That was really cool. 2.8 million was the numbers that they uh, they threw out there. That's that's pretty crazy. So congrats to those guys on that. Fourth uh, of July this week. Be safe. Don't don't do anything stupid with a firework. Okay. We need we need all your digits for reeling in them them bigots. My Fourth of July weekend is going to get kicked off on the third, which is your boy's birthday. Yep, it's birthday week. I'm old as dirt. But it's birthday week. Um, I hope y'all all had a have a great fourth, man. It's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a little different this year. Gonna be a little crazy, COVID crazy, as I say. But uh, y'all have fun. Take care of each other out there. Hug your dang mama, and make sure if you are not subscribed to the channel that you click right here to do so. And make sure if you haven't seen Boats and Pros, you click right here. Gonna take you out with some Biloxi Blues. Thank y'all. Spanish moss and Civil War ghosts Well, I'm gonna leave them in the past Any direction, Lord, I'll be fine It don't matter, east or west North, south, wherever the wind blows I'm leaving those burdens at rest This highway It does not know my name And I don't care, no And a spare Just a white line gypsy 
are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.